Hello and welcome to Recorded, a podcast by The National. I'm Faisal Salah. And I'm Michael Kutsia. Today we'll be talking about the Middle East Film and Comic Convention, otherwise known as Comic-Con. Are you excited, Michael? Yeah, I'm very excited. There's nothing quite like Comic-Con, so it's always an exciting time of the year for anyone with even a passing interest in anything geeky. So let's start with talking about the guests of honor at the Comic-Con today. Uh, we've got three big names, uh, Brandon Routh, John Rhys-Davies, and the headliner, Mina Masoud, who's the star of Disney's Aladdin, the remake of Aladdin. What do you think of this lineup? Uh, it makes sense, um, I guess, you know, the region that we're in, that they would have Mina as the headliner. But his only really big role has been in Aladdin. And some of the other guests have deeper pop culture resumes. One of them is Brandon Routh. Sure, Brandon Routh is Superman. He starred in the Superman film that came out about 14 years ago, I would say. Sure, he his, his fame didn't catch on, and that specific Superman film was not as f- popular as other Superman films. But he is still a big name in the pop culture circles. He was also in the film uh, directed by Edgar Wright, which was uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, another pop culture icon. Then there's also John Rhys Davies, probably best known as Gimli the Dwarf from Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I'm sure a lot of people know him quite well. I know him personally from the Indiana Jones series. He played Salah, who was the fixer in Morocco. He appeared in... Uh, Indiana Jones films with Harrison Ford. Um, I think there should be a little bit more attention given to these other two guests because, yes, Mina Masoud is from the Middle East. Yes, he has a high profile right now post-Aladdin. But if you're talking about a legacy, if you're talking about a body of work, you've got the other two. Definitely. Also, people with appeal across generations. And when it comes to more recent pop culture hits, there's nothing that's been quite as big as Game of Thrones in the past few years, of course. So I expect quite a few people are excited that Carice Van Houten, who played Melisandre, is also a guest this year. So, of course, Game of Thrones, one of the biggest shows ever made, and it did end last year. But you would hope there'd be a bigger name brought to the, to the Middle East film and Comic-Con. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, she's sort of a, I suppose not top-tier character in the show. Um, imagine if we had someone like Jon Snow coming, Kit Harington. And, and Game of Thrones boasts a huge cast of characters. I mean, you're talking about more than 50 people, any of which might have been famous enough to come and, and headline the Middle East film and Comic-Con. Uh, there have been some big names in the past. Are there any that stand out for you? Any good or bad memories from the last few years of Comic-Con? So... Uh, two memorable Comic-Cons for me were the first one, which was at a hotel. I can't even remember the name of the hotel in Jumeirah. And it was a very small affair. I mean, you're talking about almost just two floors. The top floor had the toys, the collectibles, the games. And the bottom floor had nothing but comic books. And there were only about 100, 150 people. And to see it grow year on year to the level it is now where they have it at the World Trade Center in Dubai. They cover a huge area, and they are able to bring all these big names is a huge progression. Um, my second uh, memorable Comic-Con was last year because it was the first one where I had to go cover it for work. And I was able to go and uh, uh, interview the star of Shazam, Zachary Levi, who I personally like from the show, uh, the show Chuck. I don't know if you remember Chuck, but it was a very good show. And I was able to tell him that Um, I enjoyed his work even before Shazam. So that was a very memorable Comic-Con for me. 
I can't believe it's been that long, but 2015 was one of the best years for me. And the reason is that William Shatner was there. Um, name a better convention guest than Captain Kirk himself. I don't think you can come up with one. Uh, the last two years have also been big highlights for me, but mainly not because of the guests, but instead I've really enjoyed the exposure that Comic-Con gives to lesser-known and up-and-coming artists and creators from around the world, and especially from the UAE and the region. It's really fun walking around the artist alley, just seeing all the all the things created by people you know, living close to us. We don't even know what they're getting up to. And you can get some really good bargains there, and who knows that they may turn out to be worth quite a lot in the future as these people move up move up in the creative world. Yeah, the, the artist alley has been growing exponentially every year. And as someone who has friends who have sold their stuff at the artist alley, I can see how much they appreciate the space given to them. And to be allowed to uh, expose their work, sell their stuff, uh, raise their name within the art community, it's, it's one of the better things that the film and... Uh, the, the Comic-Con has done for Dubai and the UAE in general in the past couple of years. I am a little disappointed that we don't seem to have anyone from the WWE there this year. We have had some good guests in the past, Randy Orton, Kane, and had an interesting interview with him a few years ago. He's, of course, now, he's also, his real name is Glenn Jacobs. He's more of a politician these days, uh, a mayor, but a very interesting, nice guy to have. Um, was a very good guest. Perhaps just uh, uh, pro wrestling in general is moving away from pop culture and becoming its own, uh, its own sort of community and, and space rather than be part of film and comic books. Yes, and WWE also seems to be focusing a lot more on Saudi Arabia these days. We mm -hmm. had a big show there just a few days ago, and that's something we may talk about in a future podcast as well. So let's talk about some of the games that have been at the Comic-Con in the past, and let's let's talk about what we hope to see at the Comic-Con this year. So in the past, I remember that Mortal Kombat X, uh, which was a, a huge release for Mortal Kombat, was playable at the Comic-Con two weeks before its release worldwide, which when I attended, I thought that was a huge coup on the side of the Comic-Con to be able to play a game three weeks before it's released completely without any ambitions, no characters locked, nothing. Uh, that was a fantastic experience. What do you hope to see at this year's Comic-Con in terms of the games? I hope we get to play something like Doom Eternal, which is coming out in a few weeks, or maybe Resident Evil 3, which was recently revealed. That one's a little more unlikely. But unfortunately, there hasn't been much news on what will be playable or what will be shown this year, which is a real shame. I remember last year... Um, getting to play Sekiro Shadows Die twice, which is one of my favorite games from last year. And I they think Sony also uh, had quite a big presence last year. They featured Days Gone last year as well, didn't yes, they? Yes, that's right. Which was a sleeper hit, wasn't it? It was, and it, it was quite a big stand there with comp with um, people dressed up as zombies and yeah. quite a, a lot of consoles around for people to play the game with. So no news, unfortunately, on whether we'll have anything similar this year. No, definitely. A game like Doom uh, Eternal playable at the Comic-Con would be a really big uh, event there. Uh, Resident Evil 3, like you said, more unlikely, but if they do manage it, it would, it would also be a huge deal because uh, there's a lot of anticipation for this game. People love the original, and now they can get to play the remake before it comes out. So let's hope one or, the, one or e even both can come out. So speaking of games, Comic-Con may be the biggest news in town at the moment, but something else we do need to talk about 
is the next generation of video game consoles, mm-hmm. PS5, Xbox Series X. I think I know that you're a m- bit more of a PlayStation fan, but but which which of these are you most excited about? Always the PlayStation. I've never owned an Xbox console. I don't think I will ever own an Xbox console. Um, to me, they are paperweights. I think this may be the year that you change your mind just looking at what's out there. And at the moment, PlayStation, they, Sony hasn't really shown their hand. And mm-hmm. that may be because they've got something up their sleeve. But I think... I think it's the opposite. I think Microsoft have been quite bold in releasing information because they know that, at least in terms of power, their console has Sony beat this time. Sony hasn't done anything because they're waiting for Microsoft to reveal everything and then outdo every single thing they've done. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) It's been quite a long time since the launch of the last generation. So that's something to be excited about. And it seems all those reports we've had over the past few years about the death of the console, it seems they were greatly exaggerated. Absolutely. Any year where we're getting the next generation of consoles is always going to be a big year in gaming. I remember when the PS4 came out, uh, as well as the Xbox One, it was the talk of all the gaming communities for the whole year. Uh, The price, the uh, playback ability, um, the games available on launch, all of these things will start to... Uh, snowball from now until the release? Well, so far Sony has not revealed much about the PS5, but Microsoft have revealed quite a lot about the Xbox Series X, and that's the one I'm most excited about. It's going to be an absolute beast of a machine. It has a 12 teraflop graphics chip, so what does that mean? If you look at the original PlayStation 4, that had a 1.84 teraflop graphics chip. So, Just in simple terms, that would mean we're looking at a machine that is six times more powerful, can do six times better graphics, if we can put it bluntly, than what we started the previous generation with. And it goes beyond that, actually, because of the technology in the machine. Having uh, Using a solid-state drive instead of a hard drive means games can load faster, but it also makes more impressive graphics possible. So even what we're seeing on paper in terms of numbers doesn't really tell us about just what a big leap we're going to see in terms of graphics but beyond graphics these machines will also have much faster normal processors central processing units, mm-hmm. cpus and that means we'll also see improvements in things like ai the complexity of the world and so we really are going to see a bigger leap in terms of the complexity of games graphics in the games a lot of things are going to be possible that are going to that is going to make the next generation a bigger leap than maybe even the one between PS3 and PS4. So you're talking a, a great game here about the capabilities of the Xbox. Now I'm wondering, people might hear this and they think this means nothing to me. I am a casual gamer. I just like enjoying myself. I, I I like playing Angry Birds. Why does it matter to me how many teraflops this this uh, console has? How would you sell people on this? Uh, I think one of the biggest selling points at the moment for the Xbox overall, whether we're talking about Series X or the current generation of consoles, is Game Pass, which you pay a monthly fee and it's almost like Netflix for games. You get access to hundreds of games, including the brand new ones that Microsoft releases. And that's a great thing, especially for parents who want to 
buy a machine and not have to you know rush out and buy every new game that comes out you buy the machine pay the subscription and you have access to not only the newest games but also older ones and the new console is also going to have backwards compatibility so you'll you'll have access to the entire library of xbox games going back all the way to the original xbox so even if you're into something along the lines of angry birds you should be covered well i, I like you said i am a playstation fanatic i've been playing the Sony consoles since they came out. And I'm more excited, of course, for the PlayStation 5. Uh, seeing the news that there will be a lot of playback ability with the older games on the Xbox tells me that Sony will probably ape that idea and, and install it in the PS5, which is extremely exciting. Uh, people who played their first games on the PlayStation 1, the PlayStation 2, the PlayStation 3 should be excited for the possibility of having this whole library open to them. So... I guess we can end the conversation there and hope that we can expand more on the PS5 versus Xbox conversation in the future when the details are released. Yes, I think console wars are always an interesting thing, a bit of friendly rivalry between gamers, sometimes not so friendly. No. But we'll have a lot to talk about, a lot about the exclusives, of, of course. That plays a big role as well about you know, which exclusive you want to play. PlayStation has God of War, Xbox has Halo. Microsoft has invested a lot in first-party studios over the last few years to try and compete with that because I think even as an Xbox fan, I'll agree that PlayStation has the better list of exclusives. Absolutely. So let's wrap things up. If you're heading to Comic-Con this weekend, let us know. It's taking place at the Dubai World Trade Center from the 5th to the 7th of March. And please follow us on all the social media channels on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And watch out for our next episode when we'll dig deeper into the next generation of consoles and also look at whatever else is hot and happening in the world of pop culture. If you like this episode, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast apps. Thank you for listening. See you next time.